0: So not many of you guys may know of Dr. John Warnock. Uh, I myself didn't know of him until now. But uh, in either case, he was the CEO and co-founder of the company we all know as Adobe. Hmm. And sadly, he passed away. Oh. And uh, nothing's really been released as far as what was the cause of his death. Um, but something in the poetic parallel of numbers is that he founded the company in 1982 and lived to the age of 82. So that's pretty cool. N- not sure if there's any other underlying significance with that number, but uh, suffice it to say, without him and his business partner, uh, Charles Gesch, uh, we wouldn't have. Many of the programs and services that Adobe currently provides various content yeah. creators, including the likes of Riley and myself, Yep. as uh, Adobe Audition, After Effects, and soon to be Adobe Premiere, mm-hmm. is uh, part of the arsenal of software programs that we use to produce our episodes. So,
1: yeah, I don't. Did you actually know? Who I did not. He was. I did not okay, know him at I, all. I never even thought to question who the Adobe original founder was. Which I feel like I should have known that, but uh, that is sad, though. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, it said, quote, my interactions with John over the past 25 years have been the highlight of my professional career, uh, said the current CEO, Shantanu Narayan, which I mean, that says a lot considering he's the current CEO and he has a lot of respect for that that uh, co-founder. So, right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know a lot of the spotlight gets stolen by, you know, the big name contributors like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs,
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah, or
0: current divas like Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're definitely grateful for, sure. for that part that Warnock played in the advancement of uh, technology and computer software, for sure, because uh, oh, yeah. that's quite an impactful uh, company abroad. So
1: Yeah, a major impact on uh, creators today. Um, Absolutely. So yep. we'll go ahead and move right along to our announcements for this week. Uh, first one being... Yeah. Um, A rumor has sprouted suggesting that the Pixel 8 will take a play from Apple's playbook and utilize only eSIM for the US. This was brought up because a user over on X found that there was no SIM tray in the video showcasing the new temperature sensor. Uh, As mentioned by the article, all previous videos of essentially any renders or showcases show the SIM card slot, but this one does not. Um, now, it's safe to say that if this does happen, Google, as we mentioned in a previous episode, has created a way to make transferring uh, eSIM a lot easier by use of QR codes. So even if this yeah. does take place, at le- at the very least, there will be a much more fluid, efficient way for someone to transfer their eSIM uh, with ease. So I don't know what you think about this, but it's kind of a gray area for me because... I know both of us kind of don't like the whole eSIM issue on its own. but
0: Yeah, regardless of how fluid or seamless the transition is now, mm-hmm. I think we're just not there yet. Um, I think yeah. to get there, we need to be in a cross-platform yes. stage where it is easy between iPhone and Android, yeah. and we're just not there. So I'm still against it. I still don't believe that this should be taking place. It's, it's one thing to take advancement and... make the phones compatible with 5G Mm -hmm. because that's the next generation of cellular connectivity. Yeah. But as far as eSIM, it's just, why are we rushing this so much? I don't like it at all. So especially for us enthusiasts who use multiple phones and test them out. And I just don't, I don't get it. It adds a lot more roadblocks uh, in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually checked to see if my carrier has gotten back to that. Uh, They were doing self eSIM registrations. Because that would at least Mm -hmm. allow me to transfer over to other phones that have eSIM and not have to worry about a physical one. But if it's not like that and I have to go back to the store, then that's going to be really frustrating for me. So absolutely. But September 21st. So no, that's not the date for Apple's first fall event this year. Uh, that's the date noted on Microsoft's invitation for an event that's being held in New York City. Uh, This event could elicit product launches like the Surface Go 4, Surface Laptop Studio 2, and the Surface Laptop Go 3, Mm -hmm. which they really just need to work on their names because that's so confusing. Yes, um, (laughs) I agree
1: 100%.
0: But we could also gain some insight on further improvement and features for Windows 11, uh, but clearly we'll have to wait and see uh, next month on Thursday the 21st. So I yep. don't, I'm not really sure. Are you excited about that at all or have anything else to add to that?
1: I've always been a pretty uh, big fan of the Surface Pro series. I know we had an unreleased episode that I was going, we were going to talk about the Surface Pro 9 last year, uh, but right, that never yep. happened. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I've always liked those. And I think there's also talk of possibly the, I don't know, which ones did you mention that they're going to be released?
0: Let's see, there was the... The Surface Go four, the Surface Laptop Go three, yep. and then the Surface Laptop Studio two, which I've already tried out. The one and I love that.
1: Okay, yeah. So the other ones that might be possible is the Audio Dock two, and obviously the Surface Pro ten. Um, so okay. So th- those are those were kind of secondhand. They it was a kind of a suggestion that they might release that. Yeah, um, but
0: it's, that, that, that's a lot of surface to cover in one event. So
1: it's yeah, they really need to work on that. But yeah, I'm pretty excited for those lineups. Obviously, yeah. this is a rumor and, you know, we'll obviously keep you guys updated on if there's any other information regarding that. So, yeah. so something I was not aware of up until now, and I don't think you mentioned it, JD, is that Xbox is doing wraps or skins for their Xboxes that you can add onto your console. These range from camouflage to even the yet-to-be-released Bethesda Studio game Starfield, of which I'm extremely excited for. Um, and just to be clear, these skins are designed only for the X-Series, so you will not be able to put them can, on... Can, A- I
0: cl- can I clarify that real quick? You said X-Series. Did you mean Series X?
1: Yes, I did. Thank you. Okay, because
0: I have the Xbox One X, so...
1: Yes, Series X.
0: <laughs> that, that's another reason why it's so oh dang confusing. Gosh. Yes,
1: I don't know why. <laughs>
0: Ugh. PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5. Is it that hard, people? <laughs> Come on.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> and just to be clear, these skins are designed for the Series X only. So by the transit of property, you will not be able to use them on any other console. Which, which
0: makes sense, because, yeah, that's a cube.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, I think that for the most part, that's fair. I think a good yeah. portion of Xbox users have most likely switched to the Series X. And I feel that on Microsoft's part, they've judged rightly so. However, mm-hmm. I would like to see them in the future possibly make skins for the X or maybe even the S, allowing like for a bit more range to Xbox users, but I don't really think that's a requirement. Um, just a possible thought that maybe could happen, um, but that's just my take on it. So
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's also the fact that uh, you can get third-party skins through dbrand and other companies. Too. That is so true. It's not like you're yep. completely out of the water mm-hmm. uh, on that, but I do agree with you. Yes, it would be nice if they actually did do some retro designing. Um, just because uh, even though they don't release a next-gen console every single year like a phone, uh, that would in and of itself still imply that people keep their consoles for a good four, five, six years. That is true. So, yeah. And some people don't want to upgrade to the latest Although that's questionable depending on if the developer favors your older console. But still, I I, agree. I definitely agree with what you're saying there. I, I wish they would kind of do some retrofitting yeah. as far as the exterior designs, customizations.
1: Yeah, and by the way, these will be launching on October 18th and pre-orders are already available on Microsoft Store. Uh, they'll be priced at $49.99. So I, th- I feel like that's that's kind of okay. I mean, it's you're paying for the brand name for these. Uh, they look really good. I don't know about you, but these are pretty sick. Even the Starfield one is just absolutely remarkable. Definitely
0: like that Starfield one. That looks really cool. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, oh, camo is okay. I mean, I, there's not really a whole lot you can do with camo. It's, you can't mess it
1: up. Like it, <laughs> you it's can't, like exactly, pizza. Yeah, you
0: really can't mess it up. I mean, it's not like you can make it look amazing, but at the same time, it'd be a hard one. To, and I think if you look at, uh, if you look at D brand, they have theirs for like 45 bucks as well. So it's right in that range. I don't think it's yep, horrible.
1: And I hope that they add a lot more skins cause there there's just a few right now, as far as I'm aware, but yeah. Yeah.
0: So this really shouldn't come as much of a surprise, but if you are one of the few that is still holding on to dear life using an old Android Wear OS two based smartwatch, then you're likely to be even more disappointed as the Google Assistant is no longer to be supported for that version of Wear Hmm. OS. Uh, In fact, you'll have a little over a week as it's set to lose support on September 1st. So the 31st of August is the last day that you can actually enjoy that. Wow. I'm not sure how many people actually still use Wear OS 2, but... Uh, with all of the latest watches from Samsung yeah. and I have the Pixel watch, I mean, it's just I, I, I'd I I'd be surprised if you'd find that many people on there. And let alone if you are wearing that old of a device, then you're likely not impressed by an assistant. So,
1: <laughs> no, honestly, if that's the only thing you really don't care about, then it's probably not much of a loss for you. Um, yeah. But I would assume <laughs> if they're going in this direction, you're probably going to lose on a few things in the next year or so. Uh, it just seems like that. But yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess if you are concerned about that, probably upgrade to the next watch. <laughs> just saying.
0: Yeah, or, or or I mean just buy an older gen that has like Wear OS 3 or whatever. Yeah, that's so. true.
1: Yep. So you know how last week I mentioned how Threads had plans to release the web version? Yes. Yeah. Well, it looks like it might be very soon. Confirmed by the CEO of Threads, Adam Missouri... The web version of Threads should hopefully be released next week. Now, obviously, this could change. We saw how Samsung quickly removed their post regarding One UI 6 beta because uh, there were a few issues, I guess, that they saw um, before they released it. Uh, so this most likely is not set in stone. But nonetheless, at least we're getting much closer to this web version. And I do think Zuckerberg will regain a lot of the followers that fell out, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago. So it'll be very interesting to see.
0: So theres so there, yeah so there I guess there's no like news on any advantageous features that are coming, it's just more so hearsay and and we're kind of waiting on what what'll be released,
1: yeah basically, yeah, not not a whole lot of other information on it, so we're just gonna have to wait on obviously we'll update you guys on um any information that comes out with it, but
0: okay, well, I can't say I'm excited, but for those who use it, there you go, uh <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, So there really isn't much to this because no specifics are mentioned, but it looks as though Apple is already testing out next-gen custom silicons. And when I say next-gen, I mean next, next, next next-gen. So (laughs) the A19 (laughs) and the M5 chipsets. As I mentioned, no performance numbers or anything was revealed, but per coding and internal chip identifiers, it looks like they're actually prepping for advancements on these chips so and that includes the whole entire m5 family so the pro the max and the ultra
1: wow i feel like you're counting your chickens before they hatch although i guess well no actually that's not necessarily bad if you want to really get ahead of the game and make sure that everything is well refined because uh, like we've mentioned before apple does take two years and Kind of looks out and sees the next thing coming.
0: Two, yeah, two or three years. Yeah, two or three that's years. about right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely clear that Apple isn't wasting any time on this. I mean, no, they're definitely they don't. trying to get ahead of the game and develop class leading performance before. Well, I don't know why they're worried before the competitors catch up because it doesn't really look like they're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in any
1: situation, yeah, <laughs> to attempt
0: that, but performance uh, is
1: really good on those. So yes, yeah. So, but, uh, but uh, yeah.
0: I mean, as far as gaming, I, th- I think that still we've we've always agreed that that belongs in the Windows uh world. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe that'll change with the M5 series. So
1: going on to Samsung, the Viewfinity S95L display is launching August twenty eighth, which by the way is my wife and I's anniversary, and uh, pre orders are available now. Uh, The display for this, by the way, will be 27 inches and will have full retina, which shouldn't be a shock to most considering this thing is $1,600 a pop. This display can pivot to a portrait mode, and I think you can easily compare this to that of the Apple Studio display in a sense um, based on the look. Uh, Which, by the way, the article I got this from pointed out, and I actually forgot about this, uh, that while this device does include the stand for pivoting, Apple's tilt stand cost an additional $400 to purchase. So, yeah, yeah, big slap in the face right there uh, to Apple. Uh, This also has a built-in 4K camera. Hmm. And uh, all in all, I would say I want to purchase this one over the studio display 100%, even though some people are probably going to say, well, that thing has 8K. But I still feel like this has a lot more to offer in terms of connectivity and usability yeah, um, and even the size of it. But that's just my opinion. Not sure if you have a whole lot to say about that, although I, I'm pretty sure you do. But
0: I'm guessing this is probably one of the ones that they showcased at CES this year, back in February. Is I think right? so. Right.
1: I can't remember yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah, because we're starting to see a lot of this stuff come to uh, come to fruition here in the heading into the fall, where these models are seeing some public traction. But yeah, that is definitely an interesting look. It actually does look a lot—I mean, a heck of a lot—like the studio display.
1: I know, right? It's um, very, very similar.
0: Very Apple-esque, especially that stand, which, like you said, it's amazing because, you know, Apple like to tax you on everything, including wheels. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks impressive. I don't know if I'd say I'm super excited about this, but I think every, I, th- I think there needs to be more competition against that studio display because, quite frankly, uh, even though, like you said, there's like 8K and it has its own A-chip inside, Um There's a lot of continuity that you can work with with studio displays from Apple, but at the same time, you know I'm never I'm never one to you know actually have things being monopolized, and I feel like Apple needs competition in that market. So.
1: Oh yeah, they do. Uh, One other quick thing I forgot to mention is that it includes a Thunderbolt four port, three USB C ports, a Mini Display Port, uh, a, a DC. Uh, 20 volts for the power supply it can connect yep. both to pc and Macs, and offers a 90 watt power transfer and data speeds of up to 40 gigabytes per second for machines connected yep. through the thunderbolt 4 port so yes yeah pretty wild right there which is that that's what we're expecting
0: from we've heard those numbers before because we're expecting USB-C thunderbolt 4 for the uh iphone 15 pros so they should have 40 gigabits per second transfer speeds yep. as well yeah, so that's sure. not exactly anything new but at the same time to have that kind of capability with monitors is always a plus and a benefit the consumer so yes yep. yeah definitely I, i'm i'm i like the look of it uh wouldn't be probably be the top thing on my list but uh it's amazing how they have those s series even in their monitors the s9 like
1: oh no we're talking
0: about the monitors not the tablet oh okay, oh
1: okay. yeah s9 yeah it is weird yeah
0: So remember a couple Saturdays back, you mentioned how Verizon had made improvements with the C-Band? I do. Yes. Well, AT&T got wind of it and is making some of their own changes and (laughs) is currently on the prowl to improve reliability, speeds, and connectivity in many of the major cities using the C-Band gateway.
1: Monkey see, monkey do.
0: It doesn't really come off as much of a surprise just because, uh, you know, obviously there isn't too much more to break down. Uh, since we've already covered that, yep. but it, it's a little hint that AT and T didn't want their customers leaving at the uh, hearsay of C band improvements on Verizon. So,
1: no, nope. they're just
0: like, let's uh, do the same thing and see if we can compete. So, uh, I think you were saying that Verizon was seeing peak speeds of what three gigabits per second or four somewhere around there.
1: I think so. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but it was definitely yeah. a major improvement for a lot of people. Major improvements for that for that mid range um,
0: spectrum. So. But real quick, before we head into deals, uh, this is actually a bit funny, although without much depth, but Google Maps will actually stop showing EV drivers gas stations on their search results or maps, as it seems to be more of an obvious distraction and an unnecessary layer of data for drivers. So I thought that was kind of ironic. Kind of seems
1: like that would have already been in place, but... (laughs) Actually, it does, yeah. Pretty basic uh, feature to add there, obviously, since... Well, it's an electronic vehicle. right? I mean, they, they seem to add
0: a lot of stuff as far as like, okay, which uh, stations actually have the plug that you need for your car, which ones have higher uh, charging speeds. So there's a lot of stuff that's already there, but you would think... You're driving an EV. Why would we show you a gas stations? So, yeah, that is logical. But it was worth noting because I was like, "That's that. That's definitely." Uh, even though I'm not an EV driver, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would be uh, mm-hmm. welcome to hear that that's coming to Google Maps uh, through Android Auto. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: but on to deals. We'll start off with some lower priced earbuds. These ones are from Sennheiser on Amazon, so they're down 50% from 180 to 90. dollars So good
1: Dang, deal there. Okay. Uh, Samsung is seeing a major discount for the S22 lineup, and specifically on the S22 Plus and Ultra. Uh, the Plus is seeing a $425 price cut, making the final price $625. And the Ultra is also seeing a discount of 33%, bringing that from $1,300 to $865. So, yeah, major price cut for those phones. Um, all of these are available on Amazon, by the way, and I believe there was even a price cut for the S22 base model as well. So you guys can go check that out. Yeah.
0: And I would also definitely encourage you guys to keep an eye out for what those discounts are going to be for the 23 series as well, just to see and make sure that you can't get a newer generation for the similar price. Yes. Yep. But uh, it's definitely worth noting that the, uh, the 22s do have that discount. So good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Western Digital Black 2 terabyte NVMe internal gaming solid-state drive with heatsink is originally $310 now down to 134.50 so that's over a 50% discount. Sweet. Uh it's worth noting that it's primarily compatible for the PS5 so it's a 2280 size with a Gen 4 PCIe and M.2 so that's up to 7300 megabytes per second.
1: Nice. Sweet. Yep. Uh, and then finally we have the Xbox wireless controller which normally is at 60 to 65 um, but it's now seeing a forty-four dollar, excuse me. Whoa, it's now seeing oh. a cut to forty-four dollars. Bummer, you really got me going on that one. I was like, <laughs> Sorry. wait, it's like
0: twenty bucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, no that that would be crazy if that happened. But yeah, it's seeing a cut to forty-four dollars on Amazon. So not a huge deal there. But if you guys have been wanting to get a wireless controller, I guess probably now is the best time. So
0: yeah, we've seen a lot of. Uh, I think we had a uh, the Dual Sense for Sony last week or maybe yeah. the week before, so we've definitely Think so. a lot of gaming discounts. But uh, to close out with the deals, you can score a pair of Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro 2s for up to 50%, which means you can get them for as low as $115. Uh, nice. I mean, it depends on the the color. but And then Amazon also has a deal for the Tab S6 Lite which you can get as low as 239 depending on color and storage configurations. So that amounts to a little over 31% at its lowest uh, price. So,
1: Solid. Uh, we're moving right back into announcements here. According to Ice Universe, Samsung will be making a slight change to the sides of the S24 series. Allegedly, the sides will be flat, exactly like the iPhone 12 and 14 series, and the Ultra will have a titanium case uh, on it as well. Now, as we here on STT have discussed, J.D. and I are not huge fans of the flat edges on phones. Uh, I know, first world problems, this is such an important factor in everyday human life. Absolutely. Uh, but really, <laughs> really, though, we find it a little too rigid and hard to handle if there was no case on it. Yes. Uh, in fact, this is what we like most about the previous generations, since they had a very rounded edges, it didn't feel too rigorous or yes. it was nice and smooth and it was easier to hold. Yes. Now it looks like Samsung again might do the same here. Although again, it is a rumor. So we cannot be a hundred percent certain that this will happen, but if it were to happen, I think it will be a little bit annoying. All things considered. Uh, and now many and maybe even most will not have an issue with this. And it, I think it's possible. I don't know how. You think about this, JD, but I think it's possible the phone industry might be moving in this direction of making flat-sided phones. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm still not a huge fan of this. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I'm really hoping that that's not the case. Uh, obviously, we have Pixel renders, and they're still leaning towards curved. As a matter of fact, I think yes, they're curving they even more. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the actual display, but the but the edged chassis, right? Uh, So that's some encouragement there, and I'm hoping that your statement is false, as I'm sure you're hoping the same thing. Yes, um, for sure. uh, Yeah, I'm not really understanding why that's such a popular trend. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think when a company sees Apple do something and Apple sells a lot of those products, you can't necessarily base those designs on general success because Mm -hmm. we've discussed this at nauseum. Where there's a lot of Apple fanboys out there, and they sell hundreds of thousands of iPhones every year. Yeah. So any design you throw in an iPhone, the notch proved that they're gonna buy it. (laughs) So I don't really agree. I'm really hoping that this rumor is just flat out, you know, an error, and somehow they just missed something, and maybe they thought it was a tablet model. I have no idea. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not in favor of that. It's it's like flat edges and eSIM. Can we just skip over that and just go back to what we used to have? Because quite frankly, yeah. I don't see the need. Like the older stuff, it just,
1: <laughs> it just felt a lot more uh, commendable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The 11 Pro will like be the last favorite iPhone I have used. And I'm yeah. sad to trade that in for my iPad, but it was. It was a wonderful iPhone, so...
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Sticking right along with Apple, uh, we have some leaks on the actual next-gen iPhone chipset, so this is not far off in the distance. And while we certainly don't consider benchmark scores to encapsulate the be-all, end-all, it looks as though we could see nearly a 30% increase in single-core scores and almost a 20% increase in multi-core scores. Dang, So if we were to pair that with the fact that this will be the first 3-nanometer chip in any smartphone, 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 smartphone to date, that should yield an incredible amount of performance to power ratio. Yeah, so plus, if you add on the fact that they are increasing the battery size and adding on what we expect, as you noted, uh, 35 watt wired charging, uh, this could really still be an intriguing model for this year. I'm not sure if yes. you're kind of getting that feeling like I'm not saying, OK, we're definitely going to buy the 15s. No, that's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that this is a good turn and it would better entice me to the 16th gen next year.
1: Yes, I would definitely agree with you right there, JD. And I would also add that they they seem to be on the right track of actually making changes that matter to the user and I hope this is for the better. Like they actually continually do this because we obviously went on this a, a whole lot on the previous debatable episode, yes. and uh, just the fact that it's kind of like copy paste, copy paste for for the most part, and adding stuff yep. in there that actually advances performance, adds to camera. Um, obviously USB C is gonna be in this one. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just uh, in tandem you really can't just keep copying and pasting because after a while i think people will kind of get sick of it and then just fall out so
0: yeah and we've heard a lot of issues with the whole entire battery health with the 14th gens and you know even all other iPhones and i like like i said i don't know if that has to do with the batteries or if it has to do with people testing out the betas but as far as you know like we were saying the fact the fact that it has i know this is like uh what a less than a 10 watt increase in wire charging because I think the pros could charge at 27 watts if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, um, yeah. so 35 watt charging, that's good. And then like mm-hmm. I said, they have the increased battery. So yeah, those small little things do matter. Obviously the chassis, we don't really have major hopes for that. Although we did hear the uh, the backs are going to be a little bit curved. So hopefully like we were talking about with Samsung, um, that will make it a little easier on the hands and it's not yes. going to like, grade into to your skin when you're holding it. So, but so far nothing official, but it should be expected on September 12th. Uh and uh, obviously with uh that chipset like I said they have Apple has definitely put a temporary monopolization on the three nanometer fabrication through TSMC. So that's mm-hmm. the other reason why we haven't seen Google pursue that company for their own chipsets for future Pixels just yet. That's kind of why there's a delay. In case you were wondering, I think you had kind of alluded to yeah. what that might be, but yeah, that that's actually what happened. Apple put a temporary hold. Uh, Playing any the three cards. Nanometer. Yes, so they, that's they have everything in their corner right now, and that's kind of the frustrating thing because I'm like, I really want to see Pixel continue to advance, and the fact that they're not using TSMC yet kind of grades on me a little bit. So
1: yeah, and actually speaking of the iPhone 15, I also heard that they will be including a matched uh, USB-C charging cable with the device. I think that's actually pretty good for aesthetic. Yeah, I was actually literally talking to a friend at church because we were discussing a laptop she wanted, and she was like, "I have to have a color for this laptop. I have to. It has to be purple." And in my perspective, I was like, "I don't. I think performance is a lot better if you're if you're gonna go with that than yeah an actual color." <laughs> but she really wanted this purple. Can so, can we
0: just break this down for one second? Like, what was the goal of this computer?
1: <laughs> she wanted a of curious a, a a Chromebook HP. Oh, okay, okay. So it's one of those. It's one that has a, a, a multiple colors, so it makes sense. So she wanted a netbook, basically. Yeah, but she really wanted it to be dependent on color. Like I was like, maybe you could go with like a Dell has a little bit um, more options for storage, and she's like, no, I really want this color, and it's like, okay. But, but yeah, the the whole um, I I think for some things, color aesthetic, the matching color. I think that works, especially for cables, in my opinion. I think that works better. Uh, and for the iPhone 15, and it has USB-C, now is probably a good time to actually do that, I think. So I don't know you what know, you think I about that. I was about but- to say, I really don't think that you know
0: having a color-specific cable sold with a phone is a reason to buy it. Mm-hmm. But there again, you just prove that people actually care about colors. Yes, so yes, that's exactly really why I said it <laughs> at this point. Now, obviously, not everyone has that mentality. Okay? Right? No, you're not going to buy a phone because of the color of the cable, or at least some people aren't. But
1: right, that is. Yeah, I actually heard that. And I
0: think it's supposed to be braided as well, so that should be a nice addition. Although I'm kind of torn about braided. I don't know if you're a big fan of braided. We're kind of hitting a debatable topic right here.
1: We are actually
0: yes, but I always found that braided looks cool from i agree you know an aesthetic standpoint like you were mm-hmm. saying it's in my opinion it's like a clean sheet of snow outside okay once you actually start walking in the snow and you start using the braided cable it kind of catches hair and dirt sticks to it and it's just, it's also stronger i really like braided cables as far as like everyday usage yeah
1: i can get behind that that's true
0: it's just, like you were saying, it does add some durability to it, yeah, uh, but I guess it's just not one to hold up as far as looks are concerned. So that's my take on it. It's not yeah. really the uh, end of the world, but, yeah, I just had to bring that up. So
1: uh, Moving right along here uh, with another Samsung topic, uh, One UI 6 has now made it easier to utilize Chromecast According to Sam Mobile, he has found that the settings for connecting to a Chromecast compatible device is now more fluid and a lot less crazy to use. Mm, that's good. Uh, apparently, in, and I'm, I am obviously haven't used a Samsung device, so I really can't attest to this, but apparently in 5.1, you had to, and I'm going to quote from Android Central on this one because it is pretty ridiculous the amount of loops you had to go through. Yes, it is. Go to settings. Connected devices, smart view, click on the three dot icon, go to settings about smart view, then you have to rapidly tap on the smart view text ten times to access developer options, then enter yep. the code hashtag zero zero RTSP00 as the password to unlock developer options. Here you'll find the hidden Google Cast screen.
0: It was an absolute ridiculous process.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you, so you have dealt with it then?
0: No, actually I was, I came across an article a while back. Uh, it was probably maybe three or four weeks back. And, and it mm-hmm. was
1: talking about how
0: you could do Chromecast on Samsung devices. And I, it made it sound like it was a brand new thing. I had looked at the comments and, and, you know, people had been using it for years. So it wasn't really anything brand new. Okay. But the process that I was seeing was an absolute juggernaut to try to go through and actually achieve simple screen mirroring to a Chromecast. So I was like blown away. I was like, why is this not more fluid and seamless? And obviously, 6.0 should be solving this. So I'm actually glad to hear that that's the case.
1: Right. Now you'll just go to the point of the three dot icon in Smart View and click Chromecast, and it will show you those devices that are compatible. So Gee, that's it. That so hard. <laughs> I know. Like you would think this would have been fixed much earlier and made much more easier. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot easier, a lot less time wasting, trying to figure out how to utilize it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad they're finally adding that in six. So
0: yeah, same here. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people will, uh, will appreciate that, especially with, um, those newer phones out there, like the, uh, the, the fold five and the flip five. So, mm-hmm. uh, which actually on a side note, um, There is some, this is not really planned, but there is some uh, news that we could be getting a flip fan edition. Ooh, okay. But yeah, I I think this is a good move for Samsung because obviously we've seen that we don't get, we haven't gotten the pricing yet, but we've seen that Motorola has a lower end flip model. And I think a fan edition flip for Samsung would really do well in this market because it kind of brings that technology and design into a broader scope for the masses to be able to purchase at that lower price, which I, I'm not yeah. really sure exactly what that price point would be. I'm not sure if we're talking like a base iPhone or something like that, or like maybe in the, which would probably be comparable to like an S23 series or S23, 23 plus somewhere in there. But uh, yeah, that's something that had had gone in the rumor mill. So I'm kind of excited about that. Kind of a sidetrack to uh, One UI 6.0. Because there's
1: already a fan edition, obviously, for the the, uh, S series. Right. It It just makes sense. It makes sense that they would do this for the flip or, you know, the fold or whatever.
0: Yeah, and we've already kind of contemplated how Google will go about their three-year plan Mm -hmm. and whether or not the fold will do well. That will determine whether or not they do a flip which I imagine they probably still will. And if so, I'm hoping that they would also do like a lower consumer end type of deal versus like a thousand plus dollar uh, model. For sure. So this is a bit of an interesting item. Comcast has introduced something called Xfinity Storm Ready Wi-Fi. So this would essentially switch over to cellular connection in the event of a power outage and be backed up by a four hour internal battery pack.
1: Hmm, okay. Okay. Interesting.
0: Now there is a monthly charge for it at seven dollars, or you can pay the uh, two hundred fifty-two. And I'm sure probably further details on the pricing should be inquired at your local Comcast store or over the phone. But the concept is pretty cool, especially if you live in areas where power outages happen, you know, from time to time.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: But sometimes four hours may not be enough. Uh, we've had outages last upwards of 8 to 12 hours or even longer in a rare situation. So I, that's yeah. kind of a questionable area. Logically, you would always want to rely on a generator or maybe even a UPS power, power bank. But it's, I mean, the idea behind it really serves Take, to the edge off still keep you connected.
1: What? i take the edge off of how long it would take if you had a longer power edge because at least it's four hours, so.
0: Four hours, exactly, yeah. 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 So, and, so, and that, some time and that time would there. just help you, you know, stay online. I mean, obviously, outside of just your cell phone, so you can actually have, you know, your other connected devices or whatnot. So, which I kind of was like, okay, in theory, can we really not go like a few hours without internet in today's day and age? But It is true, yeah. Obviously, we know the answer to that. It's just kind <laughs> of, and I, I think the... Uh, the other side of this is that if there is a storm that is causing power outage, uh, my question would be: Is how reliable would that cell service be to actually give you a stable connection? You know, in that storm. So it's it's yeah, kind of something that is, to think that about. That's true. Uh, now, granted, the storm would eventually end, and you would probably still be without power for you know a little little bit there. But uh, you kind of have to keep those things in mind, as it's probably not one hundred percent foolproof. So. It's just it's just nice to know that at least they're kind of thinking on that side of uh of things where you know what happens when you don't have any power and ca- can you actually adjust and switch things around. So I'm not sure if that's ever something you would consider to be a benefit like if you with your ISP if they did something like that because obviously yeah. uh, Charter has their uh cell service. So
1: yeah i think it would be um but obviously i have the same kind of uh concerns as you do is this actually released or is it like going to be released
0: yes it's currently available okay. so
1: yeah the other concern i would add into that is you're paying eight dollars what was it monthly
0: Se- seven seven dollars a month for 36 months yeah
1: okay my thing is i don't and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't feel like, well, I guess it goes back kind of what you were saying is it depends on how often you get outages like that. Because uh, if you don't get them that often, it's really not worth it to have this.
0: That is actually a, key, a very key point. Yes. And a matter of fact, that's something that uh, one of the writers over at The Verge said in this article. So, yeah, very key point. Yeah. If you don't find yourself in that, then obviously there would be no reason for this to apply to you. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that is, that is a key point. Kind of, you know, what market are you in? Market, What market are you in? And is this uh, something that could be advantageous for you uh, in those events? So in my case, our power goes out maybe three, possibly four times a year. So mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, we live, and a lot of this depends obviously on region and even on what road you live in, because that's two of the main things that kind of come across In our area. So, one is our region. Yeah. Uh, We live in the Carolinas. So, obviously, we get a lot of storms, a lot of those hurricanes kind of drive up that belt into kind of the East Coast, heading off into the Atlantic. So, we do get power outages from that. The other thing is the road we live on. So, we live on a windy road, and people like to try and see how much traction their tires get and (laughs) end up, you know, running right into a guardrail and then a pole and before you know it the whole entire three or four subdivisions that were on don't have any power so it's just one of those things so that that's kind of for me and for i think this would be a good thing for me but i just don't think in my opinion it's technically worth it yeah as a whole maybe it would be for you guys as a whole yes as a whole and obviously i have charter so this they don't they don't have this yet and I don't really think it's a big deal. Right. Me too. I say that because one thing is I actually like it when I have a legitimate natural excuse not to have power, not to have internet or anything like that.
1: Agreed. That is because true.
0: Because it just allows my kids to detach and, you know, just do their own thing and kind of deal with it, you know? Right. So that's one thing that I do like about it. So it's just-
1: Some perspective, It's something I worth think.
0: noting. But it kind of just depends on, yes, like you were saying, your situation and to, you know, to actually need it. So and on top of that, I can always use like a hotspot for additional devices. Right. If I absolutely have to. Thing. But in either case, you had uh, you had some news on X once again.
1: Yes, I have a pretty good thing on X and a pretty bad thing on X. Uh, but we'll we'll start with a good thing here. Uh, so as we know, X has been in the works to combat identity theft. And for the longest time, there has not been a whole lot that solved this issue. There's been some things that Musk has added to try and um push this back, uh basically, uh, but nothing's really been successful as a whole. However, it looks as though X has joined forces with A10Et to uh to create a more secure identity protection by way of a selfie and photo of a government-issued ID. Essentially, the information will would be taken and held by X and Autenet for 30 days, uh, and then obviously they wouldn't have it after that. Uh, now, obviously, this form of protection is by far a lot more secure, and I know there's going to be people that are skeptical about this, as you should always be cautious. However, for the time being, on-tenant seems to be the best choice for identity protection, considering they also have worked with Uber, Google, and PayPal. And as far as I'm aware, there have not been many... Uh, data breaches. Yeah, there have not been many, if not any data breaches uh, with them. So for now, this might be the best choice that Musk has just from a, a face value perspective. So
0: Yeah, it's actually encouraging to know that that's something that's on his mind. Yeah, But I kind of feel like that should... It's kind of one of those scenarios where it should be assumed, like a CEO, and your personal data should be at the forefront in privacy. Yeah, you so would think so. It's encouraging, but at the same time, you should also it should also be an assumption. The other side, yeah, that's that's kind of is my concern. Is just what is actually Fort Knox reliable? You know. Yeah. Because we just heard about this last week with uh, Discord. So it's it's kind of one of those Correct. things that gets on your mind, and you're like, Okay, well, is this act, this company actually gonna, you know, do what they say and do they have every protocol in place to prevent this from happening? Exactly. Because there's just so much potential when it comes to technology and what hackers can do. So I'm in favor of it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. It's it's kind of one of those things where I don't know. I don't really feel like any of my data is one hundred percent safe. Even if even if we're talking like some company like Apple, where that's one of their main goals is privacy and security. It's just yeah. It's, if there's you put yourself always, in that yeah, if you put yourself in that kind of situation, um, it's never good to have that you know false sense of security and feel like okay we're 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 safe we're good. I just I'm ne- I'm never one to believe that, and maybe that makes me one of those theorists out there but let's face it if you really think that way then <laughs> being cautious I don't want to insult like you or I anything said like that but yeah exactly it's it, important it to be cautious have that. and just yep yeah cuz that that way you're always at alert you're always on the prowl to make sure okay these are the steps that I need to take and I don't really feel like I have reached that point where I no longer need to worry because that's when you really are at your most vulnerable so
1: yeah and i, I like i said i think the this is probably the best option that Musk has right now. Obviously, there's probably a ton of things he could do. Um, but maybe just at yeah. this time he's not able to. So uh for now, I think this is what we'll be having. Yeah. Uh
0: not much of a surprise as more subscription-based services are stretching the worldwide market. But Ford is jumping on board in offering their level two driving service as part of a subscription-based offering for vehicles with the hardware already available. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen this take place with multiple brands from Mercedes, which I actually believe we mentioned how they were going to, they were kind of contemplating the idea of charging a monthly fee for CarPlay. So there's yeah. that. Uh, Tesla with their $200 monthly charge for autopilot service. And then the GM, of course, they have their Super Cruise and they do that with a monthly charge as well. Yeah. Ford's level, level two service comes in at $75 each month or... You can save $100 and go by the annual payment of $800 a year. Or you can save an additional $100 each year if you subscribe to the service during the purchase of your vehicle online or in person uh, by the agreement of a three year term that would fetch $2,100. So, I guess it it's just kind of funny because that that's a price that nearly matches how much I paid for my very first car. So <laughs> <laughs> to pay that yeah. for, you know, level two driving service is kind of like, wow. Uh so that's where we've we've uh, reached now, huh?
1: Yep. Subscription for cars, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It's nice because you no longer have to feel pressured into deciding right away if you want this service because it's like, true. oh, if I don't want, it, I can never I can never add it on later on. So
1: the option
0: I feel like the flip side to that though is that it threatens the ability for you to save money as we've seen count I mean countless monthly subscription services climb the charts in uh, reoccurring charges so that's the downside to it because they can just easily up the prices and it's it's just insane it, we've kind of mentioned this uh, with yeah. streaming services uh, even things like Microsoft with their 365. That's that now a subscription based uh, where it used to be. You could just pay outright for um, the whole entire Microsoft suite with, you know, Word, PowerPoint and such. And Correct. then, of course, what we learned from our channel usage is Adobe. So that's also a monthly charge. So it's, it's crazy how everything is just shifted and it's no longer a one time purchase. Yes. A consistent monthly charge. And it's really it is kind of frustrating. But like I said, there is some pros to it. I'm just not sure if I'm fully in favor of this. I don't really think it matters though because that's just the way where everything is moving. So
1: I think it really depends on what the charge is each month that you're doing, because some things are actually more beneficial than others in terms of, are you going to be using this more often than not? I agree. Is this going to be good for your driving situation or just going to, just going to add some bells and whistles that you really don't necessarily need. And for some people that are, you know, are able to afford the big cars and whatever, uh, you know, that may not necessarily matter to them as much because they can afford that. But it's the whole idea of, we said it last week, you're being taxed for being rich um, just on that level. And then maybe even on some level, like it's like less money and you're not, you know, an added feature like CarPlay, which should be free in my opinion. I think yours too.
0: Oh, that should never be charged. It should never be charged.
1: See that? And that's one where it's like, why would you do that like there's no there's no logical reason because smartphone integration for
0: it. exactly smartphone integration should never be charged that's yeah. just you already own your phone you own the well you have obviously the user the end user agreement there but you you use the software and stuff like that and you shouldn't be expected to pay for that Especially from a third-party manufacturer, like we're saying with Mercedes. Yes. That's just dumb. I don't really understand that. And your luxury yeah. brand, why in the world do you have to pay for something so simple and basic? But that's beside the point. What you're saying is I definitely agree. Uh, I, I think I was actually thinking of somebody specifically, like if you're uh, a daily commuter and mm-hmm. you drive 60 miles or something to your business or whatever, uh, which some people are like, well, that's pretty far. I actually did that. I had to drive to Charlotte. Um, yeah, you did. Two, two to five days a week, depending on you know how the workload was. So that's something that I could see being really advantageous. And like, yeah, I'd pay the seventy five dollars a month to do that. And if for whatever reason things change, work changes, and can I cancel you know, work at home more often, then I yes, exactly, I can cancel it. Yeah. So Yes, I can definitely see where you're coming from. A lot of good points there. So. Uh, But bringing
1: back to the negativity of X, you said you had something else on that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here we go. So in the debatable episode, we talk about Musk possibly eliminating that feature of blocking uh, on X. And we had really played out our thoughts on how ridiculous it would be if Musk actually did this. Yes. Well... (laughs) As it turns out, the new CEO, Yakarino, has decided to move forward with this ridiculous idea and will be getting rid of this feature in due time. Now, she states that you will still be able to block people on the messages feature that we talked about. I think it was last week. Um, Mm -hmm. But everything else, yeah, they're blocking the feature to block other people. Uh, In an X tweet, she states, our user safety on X is our number one priority, and we're building something better than the current state of block and mute. Please keep the feedback coming. Oh, we will. Now, one thing that is clear is something I I really didn't think much of, and especially because Musk never mentioned it it, in this specific, um, what she said, uh, is that replacing the block and mute feature with something else. Uh yeah. so at the very least there's a small albeit very tiny bright side to this because maybe there's something much better like um AI developed technology that does something like that I don't know yeah. but yeah that's just a very very small side that it, it may be good but as a whole this right now is just ridiculous so I guess my thoughts go back to what
0: exactly are the specific terms and conditions on that policy for Apple and Android? Yeah. Um, Because is it the whole, is it that you can't remove the block feature from messaging or what exactly does that entail? Because if it is a user content generated platform, how does that fit into it? And I guess it just, right. I guess you your, what it goes back to what you're saying is what is being, what, what is it that they're replacing? Correct. Uh, cause that would, if that, if we had that answer to the question, I think that would better help understand what's going on here and what is actually plausible when it comes to what iOS and Android require. So I don't, Think we really do have an answer to that. It just sounds like it's a vague, that right? From what it
1: indicates on their user guidelines, it seems that you actually cannot do that from like the little words. Um, that's I what remember. I thought, yeah, that's what I thought that it actually detailed. So, it kind of
0: still begs the question, and app it kind of heightens my curiosity to see what exactly is she talking about because I, I guess, it's just not conceivable at this point in time. So,
1: right, it's just.
0: Insane. <laughs> it is insane. So yes, the horse is dead. We'll move ahead. Now it's worth stating that the announcement has been out for a little while. But we thought it better to vocalize it now than to never bring it up at all. But from the company that gave us the LG Wing, we now have something that's called LG Stand By Me Go. This product is a 27-inch screen with Dolby Vision that you can carry around in a suitcase. It's fully touchscreen. Battery powered, 1080p using LCD technology, housing four 20 watt speakers from which it emits virtualized Dolby Atmos, which could be a little bit of a gimmick. And I guess virtualized is a key word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it supports AirPlay and additional screen mirroring compatibility with iOS, Android devices that support that feature, and obviously contains Bluetooth and Wi Fi. You can rotate it, swivel it, and tilt it. Or it can just lay flat in the suitcase for gameplay as you can utilize the touchscreen for better interactivity.
1: Okay, yeah, I love that. That's amazing. I have no problems with that at all.
0: I thought it was pretty, I don't know. It's 2023. Can I still use the word nifty?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's nifty. I think it's it's a little out there, but I think it works. A little, yep. Because there's so many things you can do with it um you know with all the mobility and the tilting and you know obviously you can do various things on it uh i think if it didn't have that it would it would still be nifty but it wouldn't be as versatile but yeah with all of that you can do from the promo that it's showing that's just incredible i love it
0: yeah yeah and uh i think it said it was a three hour battery pack so it's not like it's crazy but The fact that you can, like, it's portable and you can take it places. Um, I don't think they have a confirmation, at least from what I've seen on nits. So I don't know how bright it can get, but it does look like it has an outside display setting so it can get brighter. Mm -hmm. not sure if that would have an effect on the battery. But, uh, yeah, and all in all, for $1,000, I'd say that's pretty Fair. interesting i mean the fact 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 that you have i mean there are some thousand there, there's a okay there's above thousand dollar monitors out there oh yeah some of which don't even have touchscreen so yeah true. it kind of depends on what features you want i mean obviously we've we've talked about monitors on this show where they have like 240 hertz uh that are like you know 49 inches i think samsung has some that are like you know 40 47 49 inches wide but um I think for that much it's pretty impressive. Uh you can hmm. you cannot get this. The sad part is, is that it sounds as though it'll only be an LG.com exclusive product. So it means you probably won't see it in places like Target, Best Buy. Uh probably you probably won't even see it on Amazon.
1: Which means it probably won't be seeing a price change for a while. Probably not.
0: That's that's yeah, that that's probably why there is some exclusivity to it, because LG wants to make sure <laughs> Uh, you know, they, they get, get their, their money's their, worth. They're green. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it looks as though the orders are shipping at the end of August. Okay. So if you are wanting to pre-order, uh, it sounds like they're going to throw in the X Boom 360 Bluetooth speaker, and that's valued at 250 dollars. So that's an yeah, added okay. benefit. So if you wanted to have maybe some wireless speakers. Added to your portable theater system. Uh, there you go. So, yeah, the nice. we'll post the promo down in the description as well, so that you guys can kind of get in uh, get in on what we're seeing and and kind of uh, describing here. In my opinion, and I, I hate to copy another person's input, but I happened while I was while I was reading through this information, I happened to check out uh, the Waveform podcast and what they were saying. Mm-hmm. They noted, and I think this is very astute. This is something that I feel like Samsung should have done. Yeah, I could see that. Because it has so much of a gimmick aspect to it that I'm kind of surprised it isn't from them. And I have to agree with with uh, Marquez and his co-hosts because it is a key point. I'm like, how in the world did Samsung not come up with this? Uh, and as you'll see from next Saturday's episode, it's upcoming The Weekend, uh, we'll have another monitor that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so yes. definitely stay tuned for that. Sure. But Samsung, I guess they have some different aspirations that they're shooting for and it doesn't involve portable quote unquote home theater mm-hmm. aspects to it. So for a thousand dollars, I feel like that's pretty good. Uh, you get some, I, but obviously we can't based on the specs, I would say. Can't really review it yet, clearly. Right. Uh, so we don't really know how the speaker sound. It is 1080p, so as, as long as, you know, it is actually a full high definition, I feel like it should fare well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure if you had any negative aspects to it that you feel like, oh, this could be questionable, but... I feel like overall based on what we're seeing so far it looks like it has it shows some promise.
1: No, yeah, I have no you know qualms with it uh, hardly at all. Uh, and I would add to your Samsung comment, I do think that maybe this is better because if Samsung sees this at first hand by LG, they're always good at being competitive and going beyond what is already set in yeah. stone. So, I would say there's always pros and cons to this like the, the other person made it first, and it's amazing. So maybe Samsung wouldn't be able to do as good of a job, but I don't know. I feel like this might be a better um, way that they can take this. So It could be. Um, the downside to this, and obviously this
0: this factors into, I think the way, I think the goal that LG had here was really key. So... They wanted to try to keep features at a balanced level mm-hmm. so they could keep the price at a balanced level. So all the stuff that we talked about with it being touchscreen, having its own you know, speakers, a lot of connectivity built into it is a really well-rounded product, okay? The yeah. downside, I feel like I really wish it would have been OLED. But again, that would raise the price. So right, there's would. that aspect to it. Now, the, the other side of this, and this goes back to the whole entire power outage aspect of it. You're trying to bring technology wherever you go. Yeah. And that's the only thing I don't like about it. Uh, Right. Because I know that we like to ooh and ah and fathom over all the technological products that are out there and the advancements and how far we'll go and where we'll get to. That said, I just feel like the fact that you have a 27-inch touchscreen display Out of the back of your car on a beach has its coolness to it, Mm -hmm. but it just, I don't know. You and I- Takes away from the moment. Even though you're a Gen Z, you and I did grow up in that older type of world where we were at the beach for being at the beach. Correct. Or we were on a camping trip to go camping. So that's
1: something that I will just address because I feel like it does need to be stated I didn't even get my first phone until I was like seventeen or eighteen. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't
0: get my first phone until I was sixteen. On, say
1: fourteen or fourteen. Or okay. no, no,
0: no. You're right. You're right. Maybe it was fifteen, 15 or sixteen. Somewhere in there. Yeah, and that wasn't phone.
1: even a smartphone. That was a flip.
0: <laughs> so yeah, my first smartphone was in twenty fourteen. So I was in my twenties by that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah, that. I mean, obviously, that whole goes down a rabbit hole of you know family standards and stuff like that. But the general standard of it all is I just didn't like that aspect of it. Right. The practicality of it is that. really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, and I, I feel like it has its place to it. It's just uh, that's something that I felt like it was a little bit of a – gotten under my skin a little bit just because even though there's so much of a, a cool factor to it, it, it did take away from that personal creating a memory – and not to say that you can't have technology in creating a memory. It's just, it's, yeah, I, was just gonna I guess say, it's just a different world. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you could. But um, in either case, that will wrap up this week's episode. Uh, we had a broad range of things to cover yeah. as I feel like we often are doing lately. is just so much information. <laughs> we expand the, uh, the, uh, the we, we, we definitely cover a wide spectrum of, of things on this show. But in either case, definitely stay tuned for this weekend's episode. Uh, like I said, we have uh, a Samsung monitor that is pretty crazy and is pretty it too hefty? crazy for everyone. <laughs> yes, very, very, very hefty. Uh, but with that said, this is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out.